Somebody emailed this to me a while back. Congratulations to all my friends who were born in the 1930s, 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Actually, let's just pause there. Put your hand up if that is you. If you were born in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, or the 70s. Oh. Daniel, let's not pretend. <laughs> well, this is for you. We survived being born to mothers who smoked and, and drank while they carried us and lived in houses made of asbestos. They took aspirin, ate blue cheese, raw egg products, loads of bacon and processed meat. They ate tuna from a tin. They didn't get tested for diabetes. Then after that trauma, our baby cots were covered with bright-colored lead-based paints, which we licked. We had no childproof lids on medicine bottles or doors or cabinets. And when we rode our bikes, we had no helmets. We, had, we, know what, we didn't wear any shoes. As children, we would ride in cars with no seatbelts. Remember that? My parents actually had a Volvo, and uh, I had two older brothers. And then in the middle kind of seat in the back, there's a little armrest. So that was my seat. No belt, nothing. Just sat on that. And if it would ever an accident, I would have been straight out the window. I think that may have been part of my brother's plan. But anyway. As children, yeah, we'd ride in cars with no seatbelts, no airbags. And we drank water from the garden hose, not from plastic bottles. Takeaway food was limited to fish and chips. There were no pizza shops, no McDonald's, no KFC, no Subway, no Nando's. Even though all the shops closed at 6.30 p.m. and didn't open for the weekend, somehow we didn't starve. We shared one soft drink with all our friends, and we didn't die. <laughs> we would collect old drink bottles, we'd cash them in, and we'd get money, and we'd buy things full of sugar, like toffees and, and gobstoppers and bubblegum. And then we'd buy bangers and throw them through people's letterboxes. We ate cakes, we ate white bread and, and, and real butter and, and drank sugary soft drinks, but we weren't overweight because we were always outside playing. We would leave home in the morning, we'd play all day until the streetlights came on and, and, and nobody knew where we were and nobody could reach us. We'd spend hours building our go-karts made out of old prams and then we'd ride down the hill only to find out we had no brakes. We built tree houses and dens and we played in riverbeds with matchbox cars. We didn't have Xboxes, didn't have an iPad. We only had three channels on our black and white TVs. There was no such thing as a DVD or the internet or mobile phones or personal computers, internet chat rooms. We actually had real friends. And we went outside and we, we played with them. And when we fell out of trees, we got cut, and, and, and our bones broke, and our teeth got knocked out, but our parents didn't sue anybody. <laughs> Only girls had pierced ears. We ate worms, we ate mud pies, and we didn't end up with worms that lived in us forever. You, you could only buy Easter eggs and hot cross buns at Easter time. We were given air guns for our 10th birthday. It's great. We rode bikes or we walked to our friends' houses and, and we knocked on the door or we yelled at them or we threw a stone at the window and they came out and you had to be good enough to play for the sport team. <laughs> and, and if you weren't, you didn't get picked. And those who didn't just had to learn to deal with it. Imagine that, getting into a sports team based on merit. <laughs> our teachers used to hit us with canes and slippers and gym shoes and bullies just ruled the playground. That's how it was. Our parents didn't invent stupid names for their kids like Kiora and Blade and Ridge and Vanilla. We had, sorry, Joel Emily, if that was the next 
sorry. We had freedom, we had failure, success and responsibility, and we just had to learn how to deal with it all. And you are one of them. So congratulations, those of you who were in that group. And you might want to, this, the email went on to say, you might want to share this with others who've had the luck to grow up as kids before the lawyers and the government ruined our lives and regulated it. And while you're at it, forward it to your kids so that they'll know how brave their parents were. P.S. The big type is because your eyes are not too good at your age anymore. <laughs> Nothing stays the same for very long, does it? Life is just constantly changing. And it would be great sometimes, wouldn't it, if we could just kind of keep things as they are. But that's not how life is. And, and, and the older you are, the faster it just gets. Uh, Matt and I were driving home from yesterday, pretending that we were still uh, 15, playing uh, airsoft, running around shooting people uh, for Daniel's uh, 18th. And we reflect on the fact that we're not actually 18 or 15 and quite sore and, and achy and, and, and so on. It, it'd be great to think that you could just kind of freeze life, but you can't. And the older you get, the faster life changes and the more it changes. Ryan was born in 1989. How is that even possible? <laughs> How can somebody with a beard be born in 1989? And when Ryan first came to Regent, he was just 20. There's a lovely picture of <laughs> to wear track suits all the time, just drank Iron Brew, and look at what 11 years at Regent has done to him. Now, according to FaceApp, this is what Ryan's going to look like when he's older. Are you, are you okay with that, Andy? Okay, it's good. In, in case you don't think that's a great look, well, look what... Claire, Victoria, and Lucy have got to look forward to. <laughs> Not sure who's got the worst deal. <laughs> Nothing stays the same for very long, does it? And today marks the end of Ryan's time with us uh, and, and Indy's too. But it's not just Ryan and Indy that are facing change. Matthew, uh, give us a wave, Matthew. Um, and Alistair, give us a wave, Alistair. And uh, Daniel, give us a wave, Daniel. They're all off uh, and, and moving away in September. Matthew and Alice are off to uni. And I'm not sure if Edinburgh and Merseyside are really ready for you guys, but you're going all the same. And, and Daniel's going off to do a gap year at Yorkshire Camps. And lots of you will be going up a new year in school or moving on to sixth form. Some people will perhaps be taking on new jobs, new roles in life. And life changes. And there's lots of changes, lots of changes coming up for lots of you and for lots of us in the perhaps next few months, particularly for these guys. Ryan and Indy are moving primarily because Indy believes that God has called her to be a doctor. And Ryan has been at Regent for the last 11 years because he believed that God called him to be here, uh, to, to be serving God here. And some of you will have a really clear sense that God has called you or has led you into a specific uh, kind of role or, or career in life, a, a specific job. Some of you will have a real kind of clear sense of that. We, we sometimes talk about our calling. It's, it's a word that we use, isn't it? By which we mean what we really believe that we're meant to be doing with our life, that the job or the career or the role in life that we really believe that, we're, that we've been given, and especially the job that we do. 
But not everybody has that real sense of clear calling. Some people do, lots of people don't. For, for lots of people, perhaps most people on the planet, you know, we just have to do a job because we have to do something and we need to earn some money. If we don't earn money, we starve kind of thing. So lots of people don't have that luxury of following their dream career. <coughs> just have to get on with it. We've got bills to pay. But, you know, as we read the Bible, we discover that if we've trusted in Jesus, then God has given all of us a calling that's much bigger and much more important than any job or any role in this life that he may also call us to. So much bigger, so much more important than any job or career uh, or any kind of role that we might have. The calling that God has given us is not to be a youth worker or a doctor or a cleaner or a stay-at-home mum. And, and by the way, stay-at-home mums do the most important job on the planet, in my opinion. It is such a phenomenal role to raise children, particularly in a Christian context. So if that is you, God bless you. You do are, you're doing a phenomenally important role. But whether we are a doctor, a cleaner, a stay-at-home mom, an engineer, whatever it is, our calling, first and foremost, is to belong to God and to live in a relationship with him. That is our calling. That is our calling. When Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says this, and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. The Greek word that's translated here as, as called is the word kletos, and it literally means this idea of somebody shouting to get your attention and beckoning to you and then inviting you and then choosing you and appointing you to a position and a role in life that's what the word means and that's what's translated as called or calling in the bible and the point is this that god has chosen us if we've trusted in jesus then god has chosen us he's he's invited us he's shouted out to us he's called to us he's beckoned us he's brought us into his family and he's appointed us to belong to jesus he's appointed us to be saints and a saint is a holy one 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, we read this, God is faithful who has called you, same word, called you into fellowship or relationship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So not only have we been called, if we've trusted in Jesus, not only have we been called to belong to Jesus and called to be saints, to be holy ones, we've been called, we've been chosen, invited and appointed to be in fellowship, to be in a relationship with God through Jesus so long before God ever gives us any kind of calling to be a teacher or a plumber or a youth worker or a missionary or a full-time stay-at-home mom or whatever else it might be, God calls us, he beckons us, he, he invites us, he chooses us, he appoints us to belong to Jesus, to be saints, to be holy ones, and to be in relationship with Jesus. That is pretty cool, don't you think? That is your calling. If you have trusted in Jesus, that is your calling. That is my calling. And some of you might think, well, you know, my role in life, I don't have a calling. I don't, I don't feel very smart or, you know, my, I don't have a great job. I, I don't have a job at all, I, you know, whatever it might be. And maybe you've never really sensed God calling you into a specific role in life. You, you just do what you do because you have to do. And you've, you've kind of missing that sense of being called to something special and significant. Well, the Bible says that if you've trusted in Jesus, then the calling that you have received is actually out of this world, literally. It is the most significant calling that you can imagine. 
Because your calling is to belong to Jesus, it is to be a saint, and it is to be in relationship with Jesus. That is your calling if you have trusted in him, and that is the most significant calling possible, much more important than any career or job or role in life that God may or may not give us. And, you know, Ryan and Indy, as you go from here, as you guys move off, and as Indy particularly, as you start to be a doctor, and Ryan, as you start working for Thrive, remember that your calling is first and foremost not to be a doctor, not to be uh, supporting youth work and, and helping churches. It's to belong to Jesus. It's to be a saint. It's to be in relationship with Jesus. That is your calling. Everything else is secondary. And that's true for all of us. Matthew, Alistair, Daniel. And as you guys go away this autumn, you may or may not end up as engineers and as sports teachers or, or anything else. But remember that you have a calling. And your calling is to live in relationship with God. Your calling is to be a holy one, a saint. Your calling is to belong to Jesus and live in relationship with him. Whatever else you do, great. That is your calling. That is your primary identity in life. And that is true for every single one of us that has trusted in Jesus. That is true for all of us. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 4 verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, not having a great calling, not having a great career, he's stuck in prison. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Paul urges us as followers of Jesus to live our lives in a way that reflects well on this great heavenly calling that we've got from God. doesn't matter if you're a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. Our primary calling is to belong to Jesus, to be saints, to be holy ones, and to be in relationship with Jesus. That is our primary calling. And if you're a policeman, imagine, or a policewoman, it'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it, if you were then always out breaking the law. That wouldn't uh, kind of living a life worthy of the calling to be a police officer. And as followers of Jesus, we are meant to live lives that are worthy, that speak well of this calling, this heavenly calling that we've received. Our behavior, our conduct, our, our actions should speak well, should reflect well on this great heavenly calling. We are meant to live up to the heavenly calling that we've received, to belong to Jesus, to be saints, to be uh, in relationship with Jesus. Our heavenly calling is our true and real identity, and, and ultimately it's the only identity that really matters. We often identify and define ourselves, don't we, as a teacher or as a mum or as an engineer uh, or as a cleaner. Someone will say, you know, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm an engineer or I'm a teacher or whatever. Well, that's not who we are. That's just what we do. And what we do may be important, but it's not who we are. It is not our identity. Who we are is what our heavenly calling defines us as. People who belong to Jesus, people who are saints, holy ones, and people who are in relationship with Jesus. That is our identity if we've trusted in Jesus. If we belong to Jesus, then it means that our lives are not our own, doesn't it? And instead, our lives are meant to bring glory and honor to God and, and, and praise to God. If, if we're saints, God's holy people, then we're meant to live as saints. We don't become saints by being good people. We are saints, so therefore we should live as holy people. We are holy, so we need to be holy. And if we're in fellowship, if we're in relationship with Jesus, then we're meant to pursue that relationship with Jesus at the expense of everything else. 
and make him number one in our lives. So it doesn't matter ultimately what jobs we end up doing. Our jobs are not insignificant, but the jobs we have, the role we have in life, doesn't really matter. And it doesn't matter, Indy, whether you end up as a doctor or as a stay-at-home mom or something completely different. It doesn't matter, Ryan, what job you end up doing, whether you're a youth worker here, uh, supporting youth work elsewhere, or, or something entirely different. Matthew, Alistair, Daniel, it doesn't matter whether you end up, it doesn't really matter what you end up doing for a job. The important thing is that whatever it is you end up doing, that you live up to your heavenly calling. That is what is only really what actually matters in life. And you can live up, we can live up to our heavenly calling wherever we are. Paul was in prison when he wrote about living up to the heavenly calling. He was still living though, wasn't he, for Jesus. Paul also says in Colossians, uh, he says this, Whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The job we do really isn't that important. The important thing is that whatever it is we do, that we work at it with our whole heart as if we were serving Jesus rather than our boss. Your boss might be the government, it might be a local education authority, it might be a private business. Paul says the Bible teaches us that we should work as if we're working for Jesus. Jesus is our boss. And when we do that, as we live out our heavenly calling, which is to bring honor and glory to him, then as we carry out our work, whatever that might actually be, if we're actually doing it as if we're doing it for Jesus, then that will bring glory and honor to God wherever we find ourselves. We might not be the best in our workplace. It's, it's probably going to be really difficult for us to be the best uh, teacher or the best doctor or the best uh, whatever. There's always probably going to be somebody better in our company or organization than, than we are. There's always somebody going to be better at... Uh, you know, being a teacher or an engineer or whatever. But what we can do is say that I am giving my best. I might not be the best in my workplace. I might not be the best doctor or the best teacher or the, the best cleaner. But I know that I'm giving my best. I'm doing the best that I can do. Can't always be the best, but we can always give our best. And as we give our best to Jesus, wherever that is that we find ourselves doing that, wherever we are, God sees that and he will reward that when we see him in eternity. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. And he's using the same word again. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. The point is, it doesn't matter how clever or not we are. It doesn't matter how influential or, or uninfluential we are in life. It doesn't matter what our family background is or whatever else. The important thing is that if we've trusted in Jesus, God has called us. We have a heavenly calling. Matthew, Alistair, Daniel, you have a heavenly calling. Live up to that heavenly calling wherever God leads you to live it up. Ryan and Indy, you have a heavenly calling. Live that heavenly calling and live it out. And we all have that. Doesn't matter what where we find ourselves, doesn't matter what we're doing. This heavenly calling is phenomenal. It is amazing. I have a grand total of six GCSEs, and none of them are particularly good GCSEs, okay? And I'm driving a 14-year-old Honda, not really particularly exciting or, or kind of significant in this world's eyes, but I have got a great calling. 
I have got a heavenly calling. That is my identity. It's not how new or old or fast or slow my car is or what education we've got or what our family situation is or the house we live in. We have a heavenly calling. God has chosen me, and if you've trusted in Jesus, then he's chosen you, and he's invited us, and he's appointed us to belong to Jesus, to be saints, to be holy ones, and to be living in relationship with Jesus, and that is something to get excited about. That is important. It's not that our jobs are unimportant. It's not that our career paths are, not, uh, are unimportant, because they are, but so much more important, so much more exciting, so much more significant and of eternal value is our heavenly calling. God does sometimes give people a real sense of an additional calling. Indy, I guess you would say, wouldn't you, that God has called me, God is calling me to be a doctor. I would say that God has called me to do what I do as, as working uh, in this church, and I really believe that God has done that, and specifically at times has called me to do that, above and beyond my heavenly calling. Paul said this about himself. He said, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And set apart for the gospel of God. Paul had this additional calling, this specific role that God had appointed him to, to be an apostle, which means that he was one of the key church leaders in the New Testament church. And he had special authority and his role was to, to, to sort of lead and teach and preach and so on. And God does sometimes call us and give us and, and guide us into a specific role. He, he does do that. Maybe to be a stay-at-home mom. Maybe to be a doctor. Maybe to work in a coffee shop or to be a cleaner. Whether he does or not, the important thing is that we live a life worthy of our heavenly calling, the primary calling that we've received. So Ryan and Indy, as you move away to help Indy pursue uh, this specific calling to be a doctor, and Matthew and Alistair and uh, Daniel, as you move away to study and as you move away to explore what God might be calling you to do with your lives in the future, remember that your primary calling is to belong to Jesus, to be a saint, a holy one, to live in relationship with Jesus, and as you do all this, to bring him honor and glory. And what is true for Ryan and Indy and Matthew and Alistair and Daniel is true for all of us if we've trusted in Jesus. Whatever stage we're at in life, retired, just starting out, halfway through our working career, whatever it might be. And whatever we end up doing in our lives and with our lives we need to keep the words of Hebrews 3 verse 1 in our hearts and in our minds where it says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Whatever we do with our lives, if we've trusted in Jesus, then we have this amazing heavenly calling. And so we need to fix our eyes, our thoughts, our heart on Jesus and live for him wherever it is we find ourselves. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and he's talking about all those great people of faith throughout history who are kind of watching on, if you like. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, as we seek to live a life worthy of that heavenly calling and follow Jesus, there'll be all kind of stuff that will hinder our path 
things that are not necessarily wrong, and, and hindrances can be completely neutral, but they just get in the way. And sometimes we need to be ruthless and chuck stuff out of our lives that is hindering us really following Jesus. So we need to be ruthless sometimes and chuck things and situations out of our lives. And we need to do the same even more so with the sins that entangle us and, and, and cause us to spiritually trip over and fall. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus needs to be our number one focus in life. Jobs and our careers are not unimportant, but the most important thing is that we fix our eyes on Jesus. So Ryan and Indy, as you take this next step in your lives, fix your eyes on Jesus first and foremost. Matthew, Alistair, Daniel, uh, as, as you take this next step in your lives, fix your eyes on Jesus. Get rid of the things that will hinder you from really living as radical, passionate followers of Jesus and particularly get rid of those sins that can cause us to stumble and fall. And wherever we find ourselves, whatever we're doing, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. That is what we need to do. And, you know, Ryan and Indy, as you move and you've got lots of uncertainties, great to hear about the house, but still, uh, if Rob and Sarah are anything to go by, lots of uncertainties until you're actually in the house. Where you live, can you afford the house prices? What will the new job actually be like? What will medical school actually be like? As, as you find yourselves in those situations, try not to focus on those things and focus instead on Jesus. Jesus said these words to people who were worried about being able to afford things like food and clothes. He said this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Focus on Jesus, focus on living for him, bringing him honor and glory. In other words, your heavenly calling, your real true identity. And all the other stuff, where you'll live, how you'll be able to afford things, and so on, all of that will be taken care of. And that's true for all of us. It's true for you three guys as you move away. Don't make your priority a job that pays well or, or getting a big house or a fancy car. Don't make that your priority in life. Focus on Jesus. Make him number one and trust him to provide all the things that you actually need. What we need and what we want are not the same thing. Sometimes God does give us our wants, but he does promise to give us our needs. And Ryan and Indy, as you move south, we pray that there'll be lots of good times. We pray that the Lord will bless you but we also know that, sadly, in life, there's often difficult times and bad times. And, and Matthew and Alistair and Daniel, as you guys head off this autumn, we, we, we pray that you're going to have a great life ahead of you. But be prepared for life not always to work out just as we planned. Sometimes stuff happens. And we need to realize that things don't quite always work out often as we planned. It doesn't always work out that kind of big dream plan we have for our lives. Sometimes life can be difficult. For all sorts of reasons. Paul writes these words in Romans 8.28. He says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we all hope that whatever plans we have and whatever changes are taking place in our lives and perhaps different situations over the next weeks and months and, and, and ahead, we, we all hope that life will go well, don't we? But the reality is that none of us really know what life holds. None of us knows what we'll be doing this time next year. None of us could have imagined what the last 18 months would have held, perhaps two years ago. But what this verse teaches us is that whatever we experience in life, and whatever life may throw at us, no matter how good or bad things might be for us, God is at work in those who he has called for our eternal, God, uh, our eternal good. God is at work in our lives 
And he's working for my eternal good, even if it feels unpleasant and difficult at the time. If we've trusted in Jesus, then we are those who love him and we are those who've been called by him, called according to his purpose. And if you've, been trust, if you've trusted in Jesus, then you have been called, called by God. You have a heavenly calling. You've been chosen and invited and appointed to fulfill God's purpose. What is God's purpose? What is God's purpose for your life? Well, number one is to live in a relationship with God through Jesus and is to bring him honor and glory. That is your purpose. How you do that, where you do that, secondary. Number one, live for him, bring him glory. That is God's purpose for your life. So don't get stressed. Is God calling me to be this or to be that or the other? It's good to pray through all that kind of stuff. We need jobs. We need to provide for our families and ourselves. Focus on Jesus. Focus on our heavenly calling. That's what it means to be those who've called, been called according to his, his purpose. And God is in control and God has a plan for each of our lives. And that may or may not include being a doctor or being a cleaner or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom or an engineer or whatever else. But at the heart of God's plan for our lives, at the heart of our heavenly calling, is that we live in relationship with Jesus and bring and him you know, maybe this morning that you've never entered into a relationship with God through Jesus. You have yet to actually surrender your life and say, okay, God, I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I, I bring you my life and I surrender it to you today. Maybe you've never taken that step. Well, I want to just tell you this morning that God is standing here today and is beckoning. He's calling out to you. He's shouting out to you. He's inviting you. Come and be part of this. Come and begin a relationship with me through Jesus. Come and be a saint. Come and live in relationship with me. And if that's you, then can I urge you to take that step, to, to receive that invitation that God is giving to you this morning and, and put your faith and trust in Jesus. Ryan and Indy, Matthew, Alistair and Daniel, and, and, and every single one of us here today or, or, or watching at home on Zoom, Wherever we find ourselves, whatever job or role in life we, 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 we end up having, the Bible urges us to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. This is an amazing heavenly calling. And Ryan and Indy in particular, and Matthew and Alistair and Daniel too, as you guys leave the Northeast in the coming weeks and, and, and months, may the Lord bless you guys. May the Lord be at work in you. And as he's at work in you, may he do great things in you and through you but what is most important is who we become it's not what we do in life it's who we are it's who we become and to become more like Jesus so whatever we find ourselves doing wherever that takes us whatever wherever the Holy Spirit leads us and leads you and we'd love you back soon but that may not be God's plan for your life but focus on your heavenly calling fix your eyes on Jesus and Ryan thank you for being a great friend thank you for being a great colleague Thank you for being a brother, and thank you for introducing me to coffee. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are that loving Father who calls to us and beckons to us and invites us to come and, and live in relationship with you and become your holy people. Well, thank you that so many of us here today and watching online can say, yeah, I've, I've accepted that call. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for bringing us into your family.
Thank you that we get to live in relationship with you for eternity. Father, I pray for anybody for whom that's not true this morning, that you would bring them to a place of repentance and faith. You'd have mercy this morning. Father, I pray for Matthew and Alistair and Daniel. We pray specifically and especially for Ryan and Indy. I pray for all of us, Lord. Would you help us? Would you guide us? Would you lead us in the detail? But above all else, would we fix our eyes on Jesus and help us to live up to our heavenly calling? Thank you that our identity, our, our significance, our worth is not dependent on our education or our family upbringing or where we live or how big our car is or what we achieve in this world's eyes. Thank you that our significance, our worth is found in you and in this amazing heavenly calling that you've given to us. We praise you. We worship you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.